Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Pretty sure the 9.30 outdid you. Good morning. That's what I like to hear. Stand to your feet, please. Uh, Welcome all of you watching online. Let's hold our Bibles up. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, beginning just a little mini-series entitled A Revolution is the Solution, and I'm talking more about a personal revolution, though anytime you and I have a personal revolution, it affects everyone around us. Revolution simply means a sudden, complete, or marked change in something. It goes back to the old saying, if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to keep getting the same results. So the idea is... Do something different. Have a revolution, a change, a marked change in your life that will create a change in the outcome of your life. It begins with the first step. It begins with the first decision that I'm going to do something different in my life. One person said a revolution is not a one-time event. Now, we know that there were all kinds of American Revolution, French Revolution, where finally people who were oppressed said we've got to We've got to have a change. But in our personal lives, a revolution, a personal revolution, is not a one-time, one-day, one-moment event, uh, though sometimes a crisis of some type, a difficulty, a struggle, might initiate that, and, and you address that one struggle, that one challenge, and then you think it's over, and, and, and you just you keep going back to where you were instead of saying, this is the beginning of a daily revolution in my life. Now, I'm not sure that any of you in here uh, like everything about your life or your response to things. Uh, there are still things that, you know, we all have these, they say, push your buttons. And there's nobody knows how to push somebody's buttons like a spouse. It's, it's almost demonic. You know, it's like the people you know best, and you really, you're having a bad day, and you really want someone to have one with you, it's really not that difficult, because you know the buttons to push. And so what I want us to do today is, is create this revolution, a sudden change, or a marked change in, in how we respond to our own personal crises in our lives, and that we don't make everybody else join us. How many of you ever heard the old saying, misery loves company? And let me tell you, they shop for company. There are people that will seek you out, and you're probably about the eighth one because the first seven said don't want to be a part of your misery. Now, there are, we are called to help people, but I'm talking about people who just, they just wake up every day a mess. Matter of fact, they, they love it. They excel at being a mess. They create messes, and they want you to be a part of it. Well, I want us to have a 
every day a revolutionary life, a revolutionary way of thinking that says, I'm not going to be the same yesterday as or tomorrow as I was today. Not going to be the same. Don't set your goals by what other people deem important. And this is where a revolution begins when you don't need somebody else's approval or someone else's opinion to live the life that you want to live. There will always be naysayers. There will always be people that will try to discourage you. And, and some of you have lived your whole life doing exactly what somebody else wanted you to do. And you're still doing it. And you're not doing yourself any favors, and you're not doing them any favors. A revolution, oftentimes, at least in my world, means I want to do something that I want to do. I want it to be uh, me. I want it to be me. When I was growing up, we grew up, as you've heard me say many times, in a lower middle class community. And, and uh, one time my dad and I were having a conversation, and, and even though he was probably right, uh, at least my thought life, I think, was a little right. He says, you know, I was telling him what I wanted to do. He said, that's just not life, Mark. That's not reality. That's not life. And my response was simply this. Dad, life is what you make it, and I want to make it something different. And, and now, I wasn't being disrespectful, though I wasn't being real wise, but something inside me changed from where I grew up. I had seen just enough of another world unlike the lower middle class world that I lived in, a world that didn't challenge me to be my best. As a matter of fact, when I was in high school, how many of you know when you're in high school, you're a little bit dumb? I know you don't know you're dumb, which means you're really dumb. Anyway, so I was dumb enough to believe that one of the greatest things in the world was getting out of class. How many of you know when you get out of class, you feed dumb? And so I remember one high school principal came to me, and, and I, I, was, I liked all my teachers, and I, you know, it was a small school. And I'll never forget, he comes to me, gets me out of class, and said, I'd like for you to, we lived in Berry Hill, which was West Tulsa, which we were called River Rats. And uh, he said, I'd like for you to go to Sperry, Sperry, Oklahoma. He said, there's some sod up there. You take my truck and load it up. I thought, this is great. Little did I know I was feeding idiot. Because I'm not going to get be in class, I get to go do something I like to do, and I didn't realize that that was not a good thing. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes we live life not because we're defiant or really dumb, we just are not aware of all that is available to us if we will follow God. And so I began to think differently as I got out of school, and I thought, yeah, I began to think it revolutionary as compared to how I was brought up. And it doesn't make my parents bad. They're in heaven today. It didn't make them bad then. But what's bad is when you decide you're going to live a life and your goal in life is to live without, the whole goal is to live without any conflict. Now, I'm not suggesting you look for conflicts. You don't have to. They'll come your way but that you, you learn how to address those conflicts. Exodus 2, 22, if you'd turn there. Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become an alien in a foreign land. During that period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out in their cry for help uh, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. 
So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Now, this is beautiful when you, you read it and God heard their cry. But the problem wasn't with God not hearing. The problem was with the people of Israel not listening. And so God, as we know, sends Moses into Egypt to deliver them or to create a revolution. And Moses goes in and presents something to them. And listen to this. Revolution often begins with a struggle. When you've had enough, you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Some of you hate your job and you've complained about it for 20 years. Duh. The struggle should have given birth to a revolution, a personal revolution, and said, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to do something different. And different often scares us. Getting out of the status quo frightens us. So we live our whole lives less than. Has nothing to do with eternity. Has nothing to do with God's love for you or your love for God. It has everything to do with a passion or belief or conviction that life can be better than what you're experiencing. And then naysayers, mediocre people, want you to stay mediocre because they're like the first cousin to misery. Misery loves company. So does mediocrity. Now, nobody gets to tell you what mediocre is. Mediocrity to me is, is simply doing something that's easy and that I, I, I'm afraid to change. And now, what you're doing may be at the peak passion or what I'm doing, and, but somebody else is different from us. They, 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 to them, what I do would be mediocre. What you might do would be mediocre. But to me, it's, I'm at my highest level. I'm doing what I love to do. I'm doing what I'm called to do. I love what I do. I, I can't imagine not doing this. I've tried to imagine it. And I like standing up irritating. I mean, teaching people. I like talking about Jesus. I love talking about God. I love inspiring people. I love provoking people. I like iron sharpening iron because I know that we can all be better. But we live in a world that has created a one-size-fits-all. We all ought to do this. We all ought to do that. Every news media outlet, social media is trying to convince us that we're all the same and we're not. God created us so unique that not one of us have the same fingerprints. It's a beautiful thing, and yet we live our lives like we're all printed the exact same way. The beauty of all of God's creation is the diversity of what we see and what we hear and how we think that makes us better. Most people live their whole lives trying to avoid a struggle when a struggle oftentimes is what brings God into our lives. In this case, Israel was struggling in Egypt. They're, they're, they're having to make bricks and get all, the, all their own stuff to produce or make those bricks. And, and, and they, but they got three square meals a day and then Moses comes on the scene and says, God has better for you. Are you willing to take the risk? Are you willing to leave the three square meals a day and the beatings and, and the hard work and the labor? Are you willing to walk away from all of that? Well, certainly they were excited, but they didn't know the journey was going to be so long. It was a struggle. And most of the time, how we pray is not revolutionary praying. 
we cry out to God and we want God to fix the something instead of to fix the someone. The something is not the problem. Usually the someone is. That someone be me, that someone be you is, is the problem. God fix it. God fix it. God fix it. Kill Pharaoh. Take him out in the name of Jesus. And Jesus wasn't even a part of the Bible then. He was there. But it was all God until the New Testament. And then we got Jesus. But they're praying. And oftentimes that's how we pray. Is God, please fix that something or someone else. But don't fix this someone. I remember flying back from India. I was doing a conference in central India. And, and uh, two other pastors from America, we were all over doing this big thing together because we couldn't all do the preach all day and all night so we rotated and on the way back this this flight was one of the most horrific flights i had been on i've told you this story many times and and so i got real spiritual how many of you know when bad things start happening even unsaved people call out to god and i i'm a little beyond just saved i knew some scripture you know people who don't know scripture oh god hell i don't want to die right now no that's just plea no i had i had some theological finesse going on i mean i was using stuff written in red (laughs) i I did everything jesus did peace be still it didn't work god you said if i pray be it done on earth as it is in heaven he said you ain't on earth and you ain't in heaven you're at thirty-three thousand feet you ain't touching either one Finally, I mean, I, I used everything, and it just got worse. The turbulence just got, I mean, we're like dropping 5,000 feet, going up and down. And, and finally, I realized God says, God, in my heart, he says, why are you asking me to stop the storm? Why don't you ask me to increase your faith? I went, well, because I don't like this. <laughs> Could we negotiate? Maybe you do both. But it was in that struggle that I had this revolutionary thought that rather than asking God to stop something, why don't I use this to strengthen me, grow me, if you will. We don't want to grow. In our society, it's, it's a revolutionary thought to grow. We, we are, if you will, drinking the Kool-Aid. And I'm going to be a little prophetic today. Why? <laughs> because I'm on stage. And the challenge I have is if you think differently than Fox, CNN, CNBC, if you think differently than what's coming from these talking heads, then you're considered to be inconsiderate and insensitive. In other words, we're supposed to believe everything that comes through instead of saying, you know, these are possibilities. I have no problem with you disagreeing with me. I'm very secure in what I believe. I'm not saying I'm always right, but I'm secure. I don't have a problem with someone questioning what I'm saying because I'm just doing the best I can to navigate life one day at a time. But we live in a world that applauds mediocrity. Come on, man. Whoever invented the idea of giving out participation trophies? Look, Mom, I got a trophy for 10th place. How many teams are in the league? 10. We didn't win a game, but... We're winners. No, you're a loser. And your trophy's a loser. Your team's a loser. 
Come on. You're never going to get better if you get a trophy for being a loser. And that's Christianity today. Well, you know, no, if you suck, you suck. Now, I'm not trying to be mean, but how are you ever going to get better? How are you ever going to grow? How are you ever going to have a revolution in your soul if you accept that? Now, I know some of you are going to be mad at me. You think, he's so insensitive. No, I am so tired of us accepting where we are when God says, I got more for you. Get out of Egypt. Quit taking a beating. Quit staying there just because you get three meals a day. Let's go through the wilderness to get to the promise. Let me tell you, getting to your promised land is not going to be a walk in a rose garden. And yet, that's what we want. We want to be able to do everything we want to do and ask God to bless what we are doing instead of finding out what God is blessing and doing what He is doing. Struggles are not something we pray away. They're something we walk through, trusting that we'll get on the other side. They finally, 40 years in the wilderness. Going to the promised land. Now, it takes 40 years. How dumb. It's a two-week journey. And they succeeded in turning it into 40 years. Going around the same mountain. Can you imagine that? Hey, there's that tree. When I was dating her, it was NC plus SC. She left me on the other side of the mountain. Now it's got another initial. You remember in high school it was a plus, NC plus. I mean, we love heart. <laughs> and they just keep going in circles. Yeah, I remember when we did that. that was 10 years ago. She married and got five kids now. <laughs> We're still circling the same mountain. There's been no revolution, no change. We're just doing the same thing. We've been going around this mountain so long we dizzy. Finally, God says, you got to go in. Y'all going to fall out. So he said, I'm going to pick 12 men, one from each tribe, and they're going to go into the promised land because I need to show these people. The second thing is, revolution is a result not only of a struggle but of a contrast, seeing something different than what you're currently experiencing. Most people don't want to see anything different because it will require change. And change is not a bad thing. Send 12 spies in. You know the story. Come on. And if you don't, I'm going to educate today. 12 spies go in. They're right, they're right at the border. So close that they just walk over into the land. They see all the giants. They... They bring back this, this grapes. They're so big, they're on a pole. And I think God's probably thinking, if they can see the fruit of what's in there, they will run over everybody to get there. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, 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 oh. 
Ten of them go, oh my goodness. My goodness. There are big people in the land. <laughs> they see us as grasshoppers. Do you think they interviewed one of the giants and says, how do you see us? Do you think we'll be able to come in and take over? And start a revolution? No. In their minds, they said, they see us. We're as grasshoppers in their eyes. They created that idea. It wasn't something they were told by the enemy. It was something they told themselves in order to get out of going through the struggle. So God says, if you won't go through the struggle, let me show you the contrast between making bricks and the size of these grapes. It's as big as Pharaoh's head. I don't know if that's true, but it really sounded good. And 10 of them said no. Joshua's over there. Joshua's kind of cool because he's like, I'm hanging with Caleb, but I'm just going to kind of stand here. And it says in the Bible, the Mark Crow translation, shut up! <laughs> Telling all these other 10 spies, shut up. We can go take the land. He had a revolutionary thought that created a revolution among the people that had been marching 40 years in the wilderness, hungry, eating the same thing, complaining, whining, and moaning, and many of them still didn't get it. Why didn't you, why didn't you let us die in Egypt? Why did you bring us out here to die? My response would have been, so the vultures can get to you. <laughs> Straight from a pastor. Every now and then, look, look, look. We live in a day where people are just applauded for doing nothing and giving, giving money for doing nothing. And I'm, I'm just like, I'm sorry. I, I kind of am sorry, but not really because, you know, I don't know how much longer I'm going to live, and I'm going out in a blaze of glory. I'm going to preach whatever I feel like I need to preach to provoke whoever needs to be provoked. Patty cake preachers, what do they want to hear? That's really, I want to know what God wants to say more than what you want to hear. And here's where I'm at. I'm just telling you that we pray for revival in the local church. I'm praying for a revolution. I'm praying that people rise up and say, you know what? I'm making a change. I'm doing something different. I'm not, and you say, what's the difference? Well, a revival often happens only by a move of God's Spirit, but a revolution happens when man says, I agree with God's Spirit, I'll do what God says do. I'm not expecting God to do everything. I'm going to do my part. He'll do his part. Thus, we have a revolution. Instead, we sit around, we talk about what we don't have, who we don't like, and where we don't live, what we don't drive, what we don't make. Instead of saying, God... I believe my life is going to be what I make it. Now, let me tell you all something. I've been to hell. <laughs> and some of y'all, me too. I thought I saw you there. <laughs> yeah, it was me. Couldn't tell, though. I had a mask on. I feel an anointing of irritation. 
Sometimes we need the contrast. We need somebody to say something different. I don't know if any of you have had those moments where you, you know, we learn to say what we think people want to hear. And a friend of mine named Ron, I, 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 was, uh, I lived in Texas, and I was up in Tulsa, and I said, man, I've been, I've been really wanting to get with you. He turns to me, looks at me, he says, no, you haven't. I thought, well, you do. <laughs> and he said, if you really wanted to get with me, you would have. Now, see, that wasn't very nice, but I've never forgotten it because he pointed out something that needed to be pointed out. I never say, if you ever hear me say, you'll never hear me say, well, I really want to get with you because probably don't. <laughs> or I would have. <laughs> Isn't it nice to hear truth every now and then? I mean, I'm not going to say you suck, but I just really don't want to, you know. It's, just, it's, like, it's like we just, we've fallen prey to this political correctness instead of pure honesty. Now, I like everybody. Well, I love everybody, and I like most people. I really do. But, you know, you, you, you don't get to pick your family, but you do get to pick your friends. Some of you go, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> wow. I always thought I just got picked. A revolution, a personal revolution, is the responsibility of every person. Every revolution, according to Ralph Waldo Emerson, was first a thought in a person's mind. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You will follow your heart. You will follow your mind. You will follow your thoughts. You will follow your words. Not everybody will want to follow. Can you imagine being Moses? Millions of people, people, not, you know, they, they say men, and then they don't count the women and children. So there are millions of people in the wilderness and they're murmuring, and they're complaining, and they're whining. And all he did was obey God to get them to a place where they could get to where they needed to go. And the reason it took 40 years, people say, why did it take 40 years? Because the people were afraid if they took the straight route, the two-week route, that they wouldn't make it because they would be killed. So they chose a different route. It wasn't God's route for them, but it was their route because they didn't have a revolutionary thought that, it doesn't matter if I live or die. Now, this is a new concept because nowadays we, we all pre, try to prevent death. Now, I'm not trying to get a load of people to die today. I don't, Susan will get mad at me, but, well, not that you would, but if I died. Anyway, so, I mean, she'd be sad if you did, but really sad if I did. But here's my point. When you get to a place and, you, and you've, in your life where you go, it really, really doesn't matter. You, what, are you going to scare me with heaven? I mean, can you imagine just for a moment? It, it'd just be so awesome if God told us like a week ahead of time, okay, you're going to die, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the banker and say, hey, I'm living in the house for the next seven days, and you won't get another payment from me. Sorry, see ya. Charge your MasterCard up full, you know, and just bye-bye. great thing about life and living life is not living in fear we have a world filled with fear right now and the reason I like to laugh and decided in my life that I'm, I'm going to enjoy my life 
until the day I die. And I don't know when that's going to be. Some people hope it's earlier than later. <laughs> but they're not in charge. And actually, when you get to that place where you can laugh and you can enjoy life, laughter is good medicine. And we don't have a lot of laughter nowadays. You need to laugh a little bit. Don't make everything so serious. Just, it's okay. It's going to be okay. It, you need to hear that. Because, I mean, <laughs> we're going to have all kinds of strains in the near future. We are. It, it, it's a part of life. We're in a fallen world. And, 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 and you know, we're trying to hang on to something instead of live something. I want to live life. I don't want to hang on to life. I want to live life. And I'm going to have a smile on my face. I don't, you know, everybody tells what they're going to do when they die. You don't know you're dead. <laughs> when I die, I'm going to be cremated. You don't know that because you're not going to burn yourself. And you're not going to bury yourself. But if they do try to bury me, try to wipe this smile off my face. It's going to be impossible. They'll be going, me, me. And I'm just going to tell everybody, I just want to sign on my chest that says, see ya. <laughs> see, sometimes we, we just are way too serious. And I, I know what you're thinking, because if you're a serious person, I'm not serious enough. I get that. But maybe you're too serious, and maybe we can meet in the middle. Nah, just come on over to my side. The reality, folks, is this. A revolution begins one person at a time, every day, one day at a time. Having a different thought, having a life that is full of trust and faith in God, not just the love of God, or not just loving God, but trusting God. Allowing God to be everything with everything we have. Americans in the 1990s were searching for solutions to problems they faced on the job. They were willing to consider anything that would work regardless of the source. They, they didn't care if it came from a, the Bible or uh, other religious teachings. And a Gallup survey of Americans who don't or didn't attend church in the 90s found that 68% of unchurched adults said they would go to church if the church would address the ethical concerns they faced at work and in life. It's very important that we understand as the church, people are looking to us. The challenge with the church is that historically we've not practiced what we've preached. I'm going to live what I preach, and I'm going to preach what I live. We, we, we threaten people. We intimidate people. We, instead of just saying, you know, I mean, you probably haven't heard the word suck in church your whole life as much as you've heard it today. That's a revolution. Because it speaks to where people out there live. We've been preaching to us. We've been using Christianese. That's, that's the language, Chinese, Christianese, Japanese. <laughs> we preach Christianese. Say it the way that it's palatable. Man, all you got to do is read the Gospels. Jesus was like provoking people. 
I mean, it was so cool. He didn't, he didn't go, oh, you Pharisees are really good people, but. No, he said, you whitewashed sepulchers. That's when I'd have been, go Jesus. <laughs> Why? Because Jesus said, I love you so much that I'm going to sharpen you. I'm going to make you better. I'm going to challenge you. There are no participation trophies in heaven. Only people who overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony who rise up and stand by their convictions and believe me for the impossible to become possible. I know if I've had enough, God's probably had more than enough. I don't know if that makes sense. I'll think about it this afternoon. <laughs> but I do know that we have fallen prey to voices that the world calls experts instead of the true voice of an expert, the risen Son of God. He said, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Greater am I in you than everything that's going on in the world. Nothing's impossible with me. And I who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Fear not. Take courage. The minute you begin to talk this way, people will think that you've lost your mind, you're insensitive, you don't care. Here's what I care about. I know that my life has been bought with a price. I don't belong. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to him. And I'm going to live as long as he wants me to live, and I'm going to die when he wants me to die. Come on, Jesus. You say, well, that's just nonsensical talk. No, it's not. You have to realize, Jesus knew at 33 what, what he was facing, and he said, here it is. I'm not, I'm not trying to discount loss. I'm not really at all. But I'm trying to abolish the fear that has invaded our world today and prevented people from living the abundant life that has been paid for think about it this way if somebody said I'm inviting you to the finest steakhouse in the country and I've already paid for the steak appetizers desserts and whatever else is there and we know that is an expensive meal. And you walk into that steakhouse and you order a hamburger. If I had paid for you a steak and you ordered a burger, I'd take your burger away. Jesus died for you to have a steak, not a burger. Belly up to the bar. <laughs> you see, most people are just thinking, I just want to go to heaven. That's not a bad thing, but why not bring heaven to earth? Why not let the world believe and see that what we believe, we are convinced by? I am convinced God is a good God. That he's a God of miracles. 
We've never served an age of miracles, and many people today are afraid to even believe God for miracles. They're, they're afraid to even get ecstatic about the King of kings and Lord of lords. We don't serve an age of miracles. We serve a God of miracles. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We need to rethink how we approach God. And it says we approach his throne with boldness and with confidence. Not with apprehension and fear. Oh, God, what's going to happen? I know what's going to happen. They're going to be drug testing me. Why are you so happy in the midst of all this? Because I found Jesus. More importantly, Jesus found me. We're good. When I'm done here, you, 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 all, you, you ever wonder in heaven, there, are there going to be different sizes of homes? Are we going to have the same problems there that we have here? Look at where they live. Oh, my gosh. That's a snotty neighborhood. Look at what they're driving. You know how many people they could have fed with that? You wouldn't be saying that if you were the one driving it and living in the crib. <laughs> Why don't we celebrate? When I see somebody had a revolutionary thought that brought revolutionary change, I want to talk to them about the revolution, not what they're driving. And I, well, I, how do I get that revolution? By getting a revelation that makes it your solution and a manifestation of the revelation. can't repeat that folks let me say this life's too short to live in the ditches in the molly grubs in sadness it's time for you me us regardless of what's going on around us think about what's going on in us there's a revolution in my soul I'm, I'm getting so stirred up and so excited about life and you know, in a, in a time where you're not supposed to, why are you so happy? Why are you so, Because you know what? God's got this, folks. God's got this. It doesn't mean we abdicate our in intellect. That's not what I'm saying. But it does mean that our hearts are full of God, full of His Spirit. And that no matter what, we're going to serve Him, follow Him, live with Him forever. And then when you walk out of here today, I pray that there's been just enough contrast for you to say you know what yeah there's some bad things that have happened in all of our lives we've lost people we've lost jobs we lost things but we have God we have the assurance of heaven we have the assurance of his presence he said I'll never leave you I will never forsake you I'll be with you always and those of you watching online I want to challenge you get back in church if you can go to Walmart, I promise you we don't have near what's going on here. No, listen to me. We get, we get lazy. We get relaxed. Everything's okay. I don't want to live an okay life. I want to live an abundant life. I want to live a victorious life. I want to live an overcoming life. I don't want, well, everything's good. No, everything's so dadgum awesome, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm richly blessed, highly favored, power to prosper, walk in divine health, going from victory to victory, glory to glory. But with you praying for me? Things are getting ready to really get great. Well, you're blessed today because I'm really almost done. It's only 12.03. <laughs> Let me think about if I want to be done yet. Okay.
That's a revolutionary moment. What? We don't know what to do. The Baptists haven't left Charleston's yet. <laughs> Hopefully the manager's watching and I get a gift card. <laughs> you know, I had extreme depression growing up. I had extreme depression seven years ago. I'll never let it bite me again. It's a horrible thing, and mental illness is very real. I've had it. You say, how do you get out of it? Just the way I'm preaching today is how you live out of it. You just decide God is bigger and greater than the darkness in your soul. And when he turns on the light, yeah, you'll see the clutter, but you'll know what to pick up. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. It's going to be more than all right. God has the very best for you. The latter shall be greater than the former. This morning as I was praying, I just said it out loud. I said, God, the latter days of my life will be far greater than anything I've ever experienced. And I've had a great life. But God never quits. Father knows best. Your best days are ahead. Don't let anybody talk you out of it. Don't let anybody talk you down. Don't let anybody criticize you. Say, well, you just, you know. There will always be people that way. They will. They really will. They'll be. They'll be sent from hell. <laughs> Why are you so happy? Why do you believe that? Because God is a good God. It's an awesome God. I talk to myself all the time. Matter of fact, I, I'm thankful for masks because people can't see my lips moving. <laughs> but when I want to talk to myself, I just mask up. <laughs> Yeah, you might get pulled over without a mask. <laughs> I'm talking because you're talking to yourself and they think you've been hoochie coo. <laughs> we should pray. <laughs> it's all right, it's all right, it's all right, okay. If there's any issue today, it'll be on me. Y'all are fine. You didn't say anything. I did pray God you're awesome you're you, you words cannot describe your greatness your awesomeness God we're so grateful today for your love your grace your mercy your forgiveness your long-suffering your faith in us God I just so grateful for all these people watching online all the people here in-house today God I thank you that uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength so, Lord, we're just going to load up on joy. Laughter is good medicine. We're going to load up on laughter. Lord, I thank you for all these incredible people who, because of watching and being here, it lets you know, it lets me know, it lets us know that we all want not to feel better, but to be better. And if we be better, we feel better. So, God, I thank you that we're going to be better because we're going from glory to glory and that you who began that work in us will bring it to completion in our lives. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want everyone to pray this prayer with me. For the sake of those who have yet to receive Christ, today is their day. Maybe they're struggling. Maybe you've been struggling. You've wondered where you would spend eternity, why your life is where it is. It's been a struggle. But today, there's going to be a revolution in your soul that says enough. The struggle is going to make me stronger. It's not going to take me out. It's not going to take me down. 
I've heard good news today in the midst of bad news and the contrast has made me decide I want good news. So I want everybody to pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to suffer and die for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin and I declare today out loud, I am born again. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or to recommit your life to Christ, text the word SAVED to 405-513-10. It'll make a difference, believe it or not. Just letting it be known in the digital world. And I love it. I envision every time someone texts SAVED that it, that it like, like on a big uh, Wall Street board, it goes through hell going SAVED with your name on it. And the devil goes, I'm, I'm going to kill you imps. Anyway, so <laughs> it's just the way I envision things. I know I have this mind that is not, it's just fun. <laughs> just seeing that the devil's defeated. He's a loser. He's a liar and a lunatic. And that you're saved. It's awesome. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.